Good morning. Uh, I want to thank the worship team and uh, all our strings today. And I uh, want to thank Jim for sharing his story and being uh, vulnerable about uh, the anxieties of life and job loss. And uh, the truth is we could have asked any one of uh, several hundred different people to share this morning and to be uh, an example along those same lines. I'll change the names, but we could have, uh, we could have asked uh, Greg, who hasn't lost his job, but is quite convinced that that day is soon to arrive and feels like throwing up whenever his boss asks to see him. We could talk with uh, Margie, who is very anxious about uh, her parents and their health and financial situation. We could talk to Bob, who reports that he uh, tries to stay up as late as he can because generally uh, when he wakes up in the middle of the night, there's no hope of going back to sleep. He will immediately engage with the challenges uh, of life and be up for hours. We could talk to Maureen, who is worried that she will never get married. We could talk to Lisa, who is worried and anxious that she will never uh, be able to have children. We could talk with another family who's just discovered that they are expecting another child, but don't know how that's going to work in a fragile marriage and with financial challenges that they face. The stories go on in a variety of different directions. Almost everybody puts their game face on and heads out uh, on Monday morning, and you may uh, work alongside them, you may be neighbors with them, and not really uh, appreciate just the level of stress and anxiety they, fee- they face. The people that I am referring to all know that uh, God is for them, that God loves them, they place their hope in Christ. They understand that they shouldn't be anxious, but there is a, uh, a reality gap between the theological confidence we find reported in Scripture and the sort of unsettled nature of their stomach uh, at any given moment. And so we are looking again at this topic of worry and stress and anxiety. And series started with a, uh, a broad discussion of peace. Uh, we looked in the first verses of chapter 4 of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi and saw that we were to be at peace with each other. And then uh, last time in the first of these two messages on anxiety, uh, I said we are to be at peace with God and we're to have peace in our own hearts. And then I gave a little primer on anxiety, noting that there are different levels and there are different causes. And it's not that we're not supposed to care. We are. We're expected to love. We're expected to be concerned. Some level of concern is appropriate. But a lot of the things that we worry about are not appropriate. And the worry is not only inappropriate, it's not very helpful. Then noted that... uh, Stress tends to make us uh, sick, and uh, we were not created to sort of be on high alert for extended periods of time. But there are lots of triggers out there, and consequently, there are lots of people who have lots of anxiety. I noted, especially in Chicago, where we have the eighth highest 
uh, stress index and the sixth highest misery index in the country. And then uh, noted that there are different ways that we try to cope with stress. Some of them are very destructive and inappropriate. We, we just try to, de- to deaden the pain by drinking or using drugs or by dropping out or cutting ourselves. That There's a host of things that people do that, that they hope will just help them cope with the stress levels they have, exercise and relaxation techniques and and long walks and prescription medications. And then there's this third category in which we're actually trying to lower the stress by uh, rethinking our past and making peace with some of those triggers or restructuring our life, changing jobs, bigger issues to try and take stress out. And I said the Apostle Paul's advice to us sort of falls in this third category. It is, it is counsel that helps us actually keep stress uh, at bay. And we looked at the, the first of a variety of things that we find in Paul's letter to the Philippians. And point number one was we need to be right with God through Christ, right? That Christ is not interested, Paul is not interested, the prophets are not interested in saying be at peace if we are not in fact at peace with God. And we get at peace with God through the work of Christ uh, on our behalf. And so point number one was we need Christ. And then point number two was we need to lean into each other. We were made, as Jim noted, we were made for uh, relationships. We, we need friends. They, they help us cut the stress level in half. They can do that just by walking into the room, just by knowing what we're going through and being there for us. And then the final point last time was we need to rejoice in the Lord. All right? We need to remind ourselves of God and his attributes and his goodness and his love and his faithfulness and his mercy and his power and his promises. And we need to move into that space, to not just know about God, but to be with God. And, and we're, we're trying uh, to, to do this in a way that, that our understanding of God and our relationship with God overwhelms our circumstances. As opposed to having our circumstances overwhelming our faith, we have a faith, we have a God. We are with a God who overwhelms our circumstances and helps us see them in perspective. And the last thing that I said last week was um, essentially to be continued. Uh, How do we do this? Uh, There's more in the text, and so we come back to pick up now where we left off. I want to say, as I said last week, I don't have a checklist for you. I don't have a formula for you. There's no equation. There's no three easy steps to this. We're talking about our relationship with God. It's far richer than anything that could be reduced down to a couple uh, specific points. And in fact, Paul tells us that this Peace that we are after is um, is beyond comprehension. So there is a sense in which what I am trying to do is destined to fail. Uh, dissecting a, a 
something that is not understandable and looking at the parts and hoping that we can then understand it is not exactly going to work. As a matter of fact, it, it feels to me a bit like I am describing different aspects of a symphony. But I do that well aware that a symphony that is far more than the sum of the parts and that talking about music is never the right way for people to really appreciate music. It's to listen to music, but that's not where we're at now. We are unpacking the counsel that Paul gives us in this letter to the Philippians. So we move to the fourth point. Number one is be right with God through Christ. Number two is we need friends. Number three is rejoice in the Lord. Number four is be radically even-tempered. Be radically moderate. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. If you have a different version, it's pretty certain that the word gentleness does not appear. Because uh, everybody tries a different word. The uh, ESV says, let your reasonableness be evident. Uh, The King James says, let your moderation be evident. The American Standard Version says, let your forbearance be known. Another translation says, uh, be soft. Another one says, be magnanimous. There's all these different versions because we don't actually have the, the, the word in the English that we need that specifically translates the Greek. And so everybody's trying, but we don't have that perfect fit. And, and some, the NIV folks and the ESV folks, with, with gentleness and reasonableness, I think are, are, are pushing us backwards to look at these two women who are not getting along. And Paul is saying, you know, come on, uh, don't be so defensive. Don't, don't have a chip on your shoulder. Don't, don't be hard to get along with. Be gentle. Be reasonable. Right? We need... To get along. And that's all good and all true, and, and it's, it's there in the text. But I actually like the King James translation here better. Uh, let your moderation be known. I think Paul's counsel here is broader. And I think what, he's, what he is calling us to is, is, to, a, is to this radical uh, evenness, to a sense of stability, to, to, a, to a sense of of, of having the, the big picture of eternity help us moderate our emotions in the moment. Right? So, so that we are not, we're, we're not just all about the last five minutes. And, and we don't go here and then here. And the team's ahead and I feel great. And now we're behind and I feel bad. It's the best day of my life. It's the worst day I've ever been through, right? I feel good. I feel bad. No, too much drama, right? We just need to, we need to moderate this all just a, a little bit. We need to decenter our circumstances and understand our status and our well-being in light of a much bigger picture. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I have two brothers. Uh, I'm, 
I'm the oldest of five, and my brothers are identical twins, seven years younger. I was visiting one of them a year and a half, two years ago, and uh, he, they have two dogs. They have a, a, a little, tiny, very high-strung uh, little fluff ball, and they have a big, uh, deep-voiced, uh, sort of a mix, Doberman, Labrador, good-natured, fun dog. So while I'm there, the little uh, yippy dog is yipping nonstop. It is barking when they feed it. It's barking when the phone rings. It barks when it looks at me. It barks when the doorbell rings. It just is barking nonstop. I said, what, are you feeding this dog coffee beans? I mean, the thing is so high-strung. And, and when, when somebody is going somewhere, somebody calls the dog, the dog jumps up. They had hardwood floors. It's got, you know, nails. It can't get traction. It's in place for a while. And then right into the wall because, of course, it can't stop and make the corner. And meanwhile, the, the, the bigger dog just sort of gets up and lopes along. And uh, I remember making a note to myself, you know, don't be the yippy dog. <laughs> Just bring things down into a broader sense of don't, don't be so high strung. We need to see what's going on in light of the, the balance, the, the counterbalance of eternity. That, that, so our situation is not really changing. Right? We, 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 when we understand the grace of God, uh, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, the slave trader who led Wilberforce to faith in Christ, Newton says, when we understand the grace of God, it makes the best times uh, make sense and it makes the worst times bearable. The grace of God, the big picture, makes the worst times bearable and the best times understandable. And, and we, it, it, moderates what goes on in our life. Now, I'm not suggesting that when bad things happen, that it's wrong to feel sad or frustrated or angry or disappointed. But we need to say to ourselves, okay, this is, this is not what I wanted. But it's not my main thing. Nothing affects my main thing. My main thing is settled. Right? So God is still God. Christ is still at his right hand. They will rule and reign. I will be invited to that party. And that is what matters. And what's happened now is disappointing, but it's not my main thing. And when good things happen... We're excited. You get the promotion. You, you, you buy the house. You sell the house. Whatever it is that you're hoping is going to happen. You go, I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy. This is good. But settle down, heart, because this is, this is not my main thing either. And I need to see this as if it's temporary. Because tomorrow, it may not be trending my way. And I just can't. I just can't put my heart on the line for something that is this up and down. Right? We, we, need, we need to see the, the bigger picture. 
We need to have that holy moderation. We need, uh, we need that radical evenness. <clears throat> Point number five. We need to pray. Paul's counsel is not just don't be anxious, but it is really to replace anxiety with prayer. He says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, Bobby McFerrin saying, you know, don't, don't worry, be happy. Paul is saying, don't worry, pray instead. And he uses a few different words to describe uh, prayer here. And, and it, the, the net effect is that there is a bit of a push towards prayers of petition and prayers of thanksgiving. Right, we've, we've noted that there's lots of different ways to pray. Right? You, you can, I've encouraged you to pray through the Psalms, or you can use the Lord's Prayer as your prayer, or you can use the Lord's Prayer as a template for your own prayer. You can write out your prayers. You can read other people's prayers. You can pray with other people. You can pray by yourself. You can just sit quietly, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. Lots of different types of prayer, and there are different aspects of prayer. And the, the word acts is one that some people hold on to. Uh, the A stands for adoration. So we, we praise God. That we, we, we praise Him for who He is and His attributes. The C stands for confession. We confess our sin. We agree that we're broken, full of pride and lust and greed. Uh, the, the, the C, uh, or excuse me, the T is then thanksgiving. We thank God for the things that he has done for us. We, we've praised him for who he is. We thank him for what he's done. And then the S is supplication. It, it is making our requests known to God. The, the focus here with Paul, as we're wrestling with anxiety, is on the last two, that we are to be making petitions, supplication, and we are to be re- rehearsing the things that we're thankful for. Now, my, my experience with uh, prayer is that over time, um, I spend less time making requests to God. The, the, the petitions are a smaller part. They're, they're very much a part. And we can pray asking with, uh, with boldness in Christ's name. I mean, Jesus taught us to request things. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, which is a lot more than just our bread. We're asking for the things that we need. And then Jesus was very transparent in his prayers. In the Garden uh, of Gethsemane, before he's about to be crucified, he says, let there be no mistake. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go forward. Let this cup pass from my hand. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He, he signs on for the mission, but he says, I just want to be clear. What I want is not this. He's very honest. And so we can be honest, we can be transparent, um, and we bring those requests to God. I have found that because um, my 
uh, confidence in God's goodness has grown over the, the years. That And because I'm aware that I have uh, really, really wanted some things that I now am very, very glad I didn't get. I've made some very stupid um, prayer requests in the past. I'm pretty, pretty good saying, God, uh, what I want is your plan. Well, that's not always true. What I say is what I want is your plan. No, what I really want is this. Uh, and I don't really think that's best. Maybe it is, but I want it. And so I'm just being honest. This is what I'm dealing with, and this is causing some anxiety because I want this. Uh, and so I just need help seeing all of this through your eyes. And there's some anxiety that is released. In, it feels to me sometimes very much like making a to-do list when my life is scattered, getting everything written down, you know, to have spent that time before God and to said, this is all the stuff that's on my heart, and I get it out there and in front of him, but in front of myself as well. So we're petitioning God, and then we're thanking God. And uh, yeah, I've, I've noted this before. I'm, I am shocked at how I can affect my mood by the different music I listen to. And I am shocked at how I can change my disposition and mood if I will just take a minute and remind myself of all the things that God has given me. All the good things that are going on. I'm a little... I'm a little shocked. I'm a little embarrassed by that. I'm a little embarrassed that I can change my mood by listening to different music. I'm, that I'm that shallow is, is a little bit disconcerting, but I am, apparently. And so uh, I can change my mood with music, and I can change my mood by going back over the same lists and reminding myself of what God has done for me. And Paul encourages us, when we are anxious, share those requests Remind ourselves of what God has already done. So, point number five is pray. Point number six and point number seven are in Paul's letter to the Philippians, but they're not in the passage that we're looking at. And by way of of, uh, warning, it's probably not what you think I'm going to say, and perhaps a little bit, initially at least, disconcerting. Number six is to be humble. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, the Apostle Paul wrote, and he just encouraged uh, us to follow Christ's lead. And he says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and made in human likeness. He was found in appearance as a man. He humbles himself to the point of death. Christ serves. Christ comes and is about other people. And I believe that that there is... A lot of anxiety in our life because we want a number of things that are, at the end of the day, not at all about others. They're very much about us. 
And, and part of the way to see anxiety go down is to just not be about yourself. Right? It's, just, it's, it's taking a big step back and recognizing a call to be about others. Christian faith does not work particularly well as a patch on your dreams. What it is, is it's a very new and completely all-encompassing different way to think about everything. And, And if we are all about our plans, then there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that because there's a bunch of things that have to happen or not happen. And we will be anxious. We will be stressed. We will worry about that. And I, I just want to say that um, almost, almost like a second conversion for me was a, was a, a period of time in which I realized that it wasn't about me and that I wasn't even the star of my own life. And, and then... It was just remarkably freeing. It was just remarkably freeing to move into a very different space and to realize that it was about God and that, that God didn't exist for my benefit. Right? I existed for His glory. Now, He was there. He's there for us, right? Make no mistake. He sends His Son to die in our place. He has has gone the distance out of His love for us, out of His goodness. So, He's there for us. But at the end of the day, God doesn't exist to sort of baptize my plans and make sure that my life goes the way I want my life to go. I'm to be about a much bigger story. I'm to be about his story. I have an opportunity to be in that story. Big God, small me, no stress. Big me, small God, lots of anxiety. And it's just a matter of trying to get that in place. And as I said, it was almost a second conversion for me. I mean, it was just, there there was... Coming to faith in Christ, but, but realistically and honestly, there was, a very, there was a lot of self in that process. I wanted to be forgiven. I wanted to not feel guilty. I wanted eternal life. I wanted heaven, right? And then many years later, I realized, you know what? <laughs> this is really about him. I need to, I need to make it about him. And my responsibility now is to be faithful with the opportunities and the challenges that are placed in front of me. But it's about him. And so there is a humility that brings a sense of peace. And then finally, the last point is that we need to make peace with the worst. As I said, this is uh, perhaps not what you were expecting this morning, but I think this is just an, an incredibly, again, liberating point. As, as a pastor, I have, um, I have people ask me 
uh, sort of rhetorical questions, but not always rhetorical. They want me to assure them that something is going to work out. Want, I, I want, just want to be assured that so-and-so is, um, is going to live, that this job is going to come through, that this is going to happen, whatever it is, right? They want assurance. And, of course, I can't, I can't give that kind of assurance. What I can give is the assurance that, yes, it will all work out in the end. I'm confident of that. I'm confident in the biggest of pictures that it will work out. And whatever is happening now is momentary light suffering compared to what is coming. But sometimes people have to face the worst in their mind and make peace with the worst and realize that even under a worst-case scenario... They're still going to be okay. God is bigger than whatever it is that they are fearing. That we can have assurance of. And and there's something very liberating about that as well. The Apostle Paul really, really helps us see this. I mean, he's he I'm I'm pulling this out of not so much what he is saying per se, but what he is doing. Remember, he's writing from a prison cell. Okay? He's, he's serving God, and as a result of serving God and starting churches, he's been arrested. He's waiting for a trial. The trial could lead to his execution. Okay? And yet, as opposed to complaining, as opposed to doubting God's goodness, as opposed to thinking that, that maybe God isn't sovereign after all, Paul writes to us in the first chapter and he says, Hey, I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually turned out to advance the gospel. The fact that I'm in prison has been a good thing. It's remarkable. So so the, the, the good news about Christ is spreading throughout the palace guard. It's in Caesar's household now. People are coming to faith in Christ. And because I'm in prison, lots of other people have stepped up to start talking about Christ. And some of them are doing it with the wrong motives, right? They're trying to cause me stress, which probably means that there was some sense of competition. They wanted to be be in charge. They wanted to be appreciated. They wanted to get ahead of Paul in some way. And so they're, they're taking advantage of Paul being in prison so that they can get out there and draw bigger crowds or whatever it is that they're wanting to do. And Paul just says, whatever... Whatever their motivation, they're talking about Christ. This is a win. I mean, you could see that he could easily be discouraged, despondent, and anxious. Right? I can't even get out there. I can't even do the things that, I, that I, I, I think God wants me to do. Now, in hindsight, we are so thankful that Paul was arrested. It was such a great thing. Because if he wasn't arrested... He would not have written the letter to the Romans. He would have gone and talked to the Romans. He wouldn't have written this letter back to the Philippians. He would have gone and talked to them. He wouldn't have written to to Timothy and to Titus, right? All these things would have taken place in other venues. It's because he's in prison that he has to actually write letters. And we get the letters. So we can see God's sovereignty 2,000 years later. He doesn't see it at the time, but he is finding things to be thankful for. And... 
he really sort of takes the worst case out of play because he says down here, look, I I don't know what's going to happen. I'm quite confident in God. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hey, what's, what's the thing that, that many people fear most? Right? They, they, they fear death. And I, I don't want to sugarcoat death. Death is an enemy. Death is bad. But Christ has conquered death. Right? And he will one day destroy death. And so Paul says, hey, you know, what? I, may get, I may go to this trial and be released. And that means I'll, I'll be able to do more things. I may go to this trial and be killed. That means I go to heaven. He has stared at the worst and he has said, I got a win-win in front of me. Again, this is a a heavy point. But one of the things that we do is we allow fear to rob us of joy. And the fact is, God is bigger than whatever you're scared of. God God is... in control, no matter if the worst that you could imagine happening happens, you will still be okay in light of eternity. And the opportunity that we have is to, is to trust God and to move through those trials. You will make it. That's the confidence that we have in God. <clears throat> well, there's even perhaps more there, but let's summarize. God does not want us to be anxious. He doesn't want you losing sleep. He doesn't want you living in a state of agitation. That's not his plan for you. And what is offered in Christ is a transcendent supernatural peace. It's not that our circumstances, immediate circumstances all work out. It's that we see those circumstances in light of a much bigger picture. So we are, we are told that we need to be right with God through Christ. <clears throat> we need to lean into friendships a whole lot more than we do. And we need, to, we need to spend time with God. Rejoice in the Lord. Additionally, we need, we need this moderation, this holy moderation to not be placing our emotions at the whim of, of every circumstance but to to be moderate because we're we're counterbalanced in the events of today with forever and nothing is changing in forever and then we pray we're small and we make peace with the worst and the anxiety level comes down let me pray for us Lord God, we are after a, uh, a transcendent peace. We're after something that you provide. We're after the gift that comes through you. And so we pray for that. And I pray especially, Lord God, for those who are unsettled and anxious, that uh, through your word and the promises therein and through your spirit, And through the big picture, Father, that you will help them think differently and relax in your goodness and your grace and your mercy and the overarching promises that eclipse 
any of the fears that we have. Grant us peace in Christ, we pray. Amen.